Welcome to Creekside. Are you guys still full from Thursday? Does anybody still have leftovers? No, okay. I have, uh, I have 10 siblings. There were no leftovers, so that kind of stunk. Um, how awesome it is to be able to come in here and worship our Savior. And yeah, there we go. Who said that? Thank you. That's good. I'm excited to be in here with you guys. This is family. When we come as brothers and sisters in Christ, this is family. And we come in here and, and we praise a Savior that is on the throne and will always be on the throne. And so when we sing and we, we are challenged in the word and we come together, there's a peace that could come over us uh, when we all come before God. And so I pray that this morning you guys would be able to come in here and, and kind of let go of other things that hold us back from letting ourselves connect with our Savior. And that's what our, our hope is this morning. And we're going to sing a couple songs that I know most of you guys know really well right now. Um, and I hope what you guys are able to do is forget about us up here and, and just sing out and focus on the cross. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. You know, we truly believe this morning, it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is nothing in my life will ever change if not for Jesus. That Jesus causes the change in our life. We can't force it. All we can do is put our arms out and surrender to God and say, I got nothing. I got nothing. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Because I don't have strength in myself. I can't conjure up enough courage. I can't do enough right things. I just can't do it. So we truly believe that the only way we change, the only way we are strengthened, the only way we are given hope is that we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and we say, I'm yours. I need you. I need you. Like, think about it. The next breath that I breathe, the next breath that you breathe, God allowed that. So let's pray together. As I pray, you pray. But that the Holy Spirit this morning would be unleashed in this place to effect change in our hearts. To meet us where we're at. Because we are here as we are. And when we leave... Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will have changed us in Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. God, you are almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are your creation, but we are broken. We breathe, we live, we die but we do nothing apart from your allowance. So Father, I pray, I beg that the Holy Spirit would move in this place today, that our hearts would be soft, that our hearts would be open, that our hearts would be surrendered to the power of your Holy Spirit to change us 
we follow you, but you change us. And so we are about your glory this morning, Father. We are about the name of Jesus. And when we proclaim the name of Jesus, Satan flees, Satan trembles, and his demons in all of hell cannot overcome the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are, sons and daughters of God, the King, because of Jesus. So in these moments, God, just unleash your Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. God, that salvation would come to any souls in this room that have not acknowledged their sin to you and said, I can't save myself, I need Jesus. I pray that that would happen this morning. That we have a problem that only Jesus can cure. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We love you, God, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. First, I want to say last week was awesome message from Tim. That was sweet. If ever I heard a call to action, that was it, right? I mean, because all of the knowledge that we could ever have, we could pack it in, pack it in, pack it in, pack it in. Go to Sunday school, go to church, read the word all we want, and it's not worth anything unless we live it out, right? Because sometimes we walk around with big, huge heads puffed up. Scripture actually says that knowledge puffs up, right? We walk around with these huge heads and we're off balance. And the only way to deflate that is to go live it out. So that was a sweet call to action. This week, I want to talk briefly about what 1 Peter 4 says about suffering. And then we're going to hear a testimony um, from someone that comes straight from that. It's not a testimony of suffering because of sin. It's a testimony of someone who has suffered well in Jesus Christ and how Jesus has been her strength, Jesus has been her sustenance. Um, it's going to be awesome, but our prayer this morning, our prayer for ourselves and our prayer for you is that our affections, I mean, what are we doing this for? Unless our affections can be stirred towards Jesus Christ. Because hear that. Okay, you're not here just to make a check mark in a box that you came to church, right? If that's why you're here by the end of today, I hope that's changed. Because our prayer is that the Holy Spirit works so powerfully in your life that as you are right now, God uses whatever happens this morning in your life. And so you come in as you are, you leave changed. Because God is powerful and God is good. So we've prayed this week that through this passage and through this story, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you as an individual what you need to hear and what you need to go act upon in your, in your life. I truly believe that God wants to do something this morning for two reasons. One, because you're here, right? I mean, God allowed you to make it here. That's a huge deal. I don't think we understand that when we leave, we might not make it home, right? I am not guaranteed my next breath. I'm not guaranteed to make it through this message. So God wants to do something in your life because you're here. He allowed you to be here. He brought you here. He made your car work. He made you get up this morning. And secondly, I'm pretty sure God wants to do something big, at least in my life, because this week was hard for me. Especially at the beginning of the week, I, I felt Satan's attacks in a big way. And some of those... Some of my annoyance at the beginning of the week was because of my own sin, my own anger, my own frustration, my own selfishness, right? And I let that get to me, and then Satan capitalized on that, and he started to lie to me. You're insignificant. You're not worth this. You can't do this. All these lies that I started believing in the beginning of the week was really hard, but then I texted out to the guys in my... Um, Small group, that's another reason why I love 
small groups because these guys are close to me and I could text it out. And uh, it's awesome because when girls, when my wife texts out to her girls, she writes a paragraph, right? And she gets back a paragraph, right? I tend to be a little emotional, so I send out a paragraph and I get back one word. Yes, or will do, or praying, you know. But I got back a little more than one word from a few people. And everyone said, everyone that I got back a little more than one word from said, you know what? then this Sunday must be a big Sunday. Because if Satan's attacking you, then this Sunday's going to be a big Sunday because Satan attacks when he's threatened, right? He's not threatened by me. Satan's not afraid of me, right? But who better to take down than the one giving the message, right? So I'm, I'm convinced that God wants to do something in somebody's life this morning. And that might just be me, right? But I'm convinced of that. The title of the, of the message this morning is Glory Through Fire, because we truly believe that whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's hurtful, whether it's painful, whether it's suffering, that God somehow, like Joseph said in the Old Testament, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Even when we have no idea what God's doing, when we have no idea where God's going with the plans in our lives. Somehow, what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. Have you felt that in your life? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're still waiting for God to use that evil thing for good. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to be here briefly. I just want to walk you through what this passage means to set us up for the story we're about to hear. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4 is on page 1016 in my Bible. It's probably different in yours, but it's the fourth from the last book in the Bible. Or probably fifth, because there's 2 Peter. But from the last book in the Bible, it's after James. It's near the end. There's only that much left in my Bible at the end. Um, so 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And I'm just going to walk you through this. Glory through fire. <clears throat> Beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So it starts off and it says, don't be surprised, because you know what? The one thing that Jesus promises, what does Jesus say? In this world you will have trouble, but, that's a big but, All right, get your minds in the right area, it's a big but, I have over come the world right in this world you will have trouble but i have overcome the world the fiery trial that jesus is talking i mean that peter's talking about there he's saying don't be surprised when it comes on you i haven't promised you jesus has not promised us a life of ease after we come to jesus he has promised us though that we will have trouble and he's also promised us a way out or a way through that trouble. So there's three things that that fiery trial can be. One, straight up, you choose Jesus. I mean, you choose life or Jesus, which means you choose life or you die. Right? You say no to Jesus and you'll live. You say yes to Jesus and we're going to kill you. That's happening all over the Middle East right now. And we pray for those people, but we've got to be ready for if that ever happens to us. Don't be surprised if that ever happens. Number two, it could be a trial not caused directly by our own sin, but because, simply because, we live in a broken world. And people get sick, people die, people suffer things that are beyond their control. And so we may be suffering thing that is something that is beyond our human ability to bear. And number three... In 1 Corinthians 3.13, it literally talks about a day when we will stand before Jesus. And if you're a believer in Jesus for salvation, you will stand before him. And the beauty of that is that when we stand before him, guess what? It will not be about my sin. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It won't be about my sin. Jesus will look at me in all of my brokenness and say, child, I love you. Where is your sin? What have you done wrong? 
Because Jesus' blood covered that and forgave it and separated it from me as far as the east is from the west. But what will happen when I stand before Jesus? In 1 Corinthians 3.13, it says, All of my actions, all of my deeds, everything I did while on earth will be laid bare for everyone to see. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's embarrassing, at that moment it won't matter because we're going to be standing in, in, in front of Jesus. But it will all be in a pile and be set to flame. <laughs> Literally, set to flame. And 1 Corinthians 3.13 says that everything that survives the flame we will be rewarded with. Okay, Everything that survives the flame is everything that we did as a believer, for the glory of God and for eternity. It's everything that we did for the kingdom of God that lasts into eternity and then we will be rewarded, right? Everything else that burns up, we will suffer loss because all of those things are going to be the things that we did on earth that meant nothing for eternity, that were for selfishness, that were for earthly reasons, and all of those things are just going to... Go bye-bye. And so if we come to Jesus and we spend a whole, our whole life wasting the time that God has given us, we'll still be saved. We'll still go to heaven because we believed in Jesus for salvation. But I'm going to stand in front of Jesus empty-handed because I'll suffer loss. Everything I put my time and effort into on earth, gone. Right? But everything that I spent time and effort and money and all that stuff all of my resources on the kingdom of God I'll be rewarded because that will last through the fire now here's the deal all three of those things are meant for this this is what I want you to remember suffering in one of those three ways is always meant to reveal what I held most dear on earth like, isn't that true? When my life is on the line, when I'm called to say, you either deny Jesus or we kill you, and I choose Jesus and I die, <laughs> that's a glorious moment. Because little do they know, they just sent me into the presence of my Savior. Right? And then it will be so apparent what I held valuable on earth. It was Jesus. And number two, when you go through a fiery trial that is beyond your human ability to bear, when you can't take it, and it has nothing to do with your sin, you're just suffering because we live in a broken world and something horrible happened to you, in those moments, how you respond, it reveals to everyone around you what does this person hold most dear in life. And it's not to say you go through those moments in perfection. It's not to say you go through those moments without faltering or failing. But in the end, where do you fall? In the end, where do you stand? In the end, who did you hold most important through that process? Did you go through it on your own or did you go through it with Jesus? And number three, when we stand before Jesus, literally the fire that burns up our deeds and some survive and some don't, literally what you held most dear while on earth is going to be laid bare, right? And the beauty of that moment is you won't be embarrassed because you'll be in the presence of Jesus and it's not going to be about your sin. Your sin is done away with. If you're a believer in Jesus for salvation right now, your sin has nothing to do with you ever again, even though you still sin. Do we get that? You still sin, but you, it has nothing to do with you, right? You're not identified by your struggle. Remember those people up here a few weeks ago? You're not identified by your struggle. And then it goes on, verse 13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed, right? When Jesus' glory is revealed... If his glory is what we held most dear in our life on earth, then when his glory is revealed, we will rejoice because that's what we were all about. But if we weren't all about his glory on earth, 
if we were about ourselves, if we were about our own selfishness, then Jesus' glory isn't going to be that big of a deal to us, right? We won't have a reason to rejoice. But if I make my life about the glory of Jesus Christ, then when it's revealed, (laughs) I'll have no choice but to rejoice. Verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Some of my suffering this week, at the beginning of the week, was due to my own selfishness, was due to my own anger, was due to my own lack of patience, right? And Peter is speaking from a a heart of compassion for the people he's talking to. He's essentially saying, listen, I don't want you to suffer when you don't have to be suffering, Okay, it's one thing that Jesus promised us that we would suffer. It's one thing to suffer in Christ. It's one thing to suffer for Jesus, right? But I don't want you to suffer when you don't have to be suffering. So live a life where you're not creating your own suffering. Don't suffer for doing evil. Don't suffer for your own sin, right? But here's the deal. I suffer for my own sin on a weekly basis. Jesus' grace, when he died on the cross, covers that. And his grace is sufficient enough to cover my failures. Right? So Peter's saying, listen, live a life where you're not creating your own suffering because of your sin. But if you have done that, I'm telling you, I don't want you to feel guilty. If you're here this morning and you're suffering right now because of your own sin, what do you do from here? What do you do from right now? Well, this morning, in the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to now go through that suffering in Christ. Because his grace is not only sufficient to forgive that sin, but his grace is now sufficient. This is even, this blows my mind, right? When we, when we sin and it causes suffering in our own life, and it is an offense to God when we've sinned, he still in his grace says, okay, child, yes, you messed up, but get up. I'm going to help you endure through the suffering that you just caused. I mean, that is grace, is it not? He not only forgives our sin, but he helps us through our stupidity. Right? I mean, that blows my mind. That's awesome. Verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will, we, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now all that's saying is, listen, if you're righteous because of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. You're forgiven, period. Right? But what Paul just said, don't cause your own suffering from your sin, is that when we sin... When we mess up, we still have to bear the earthly consequences of our sin. If the, if the righteous, right, still have to bear the earthly consequences of their sin, how much more are the unrighteous, the people who have not come to Jesus for salvation, who do not believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, how much more will they be punished? Listen, this should create an an immense amount of urgency in us to share the gospel with people around us because we know, and this is offensive to people, that there's no amount of good that anyone could do to earn salvation. That's offensive to people because most people who believe that live their entire lives trying to do good, and then they'll be totally surprised when they're not in heaven. Because they'll say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, we serve the poor. We did this, we did that, we did this, you know. We did all these things, but Jesus said, I I didn't know you. 
Because here's the thing, they did all these good things, but they did them apart from the name of Jesus. They did them apart from the blood of Jesus. They did not come to Jesus and say, listen, I know I can't earn my salvation. I need you, I need you, I need you to save me. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I'm going to bring uh, Patty Fellers up here now. And um, Patty's going to, we're going to do a little interview style. And um, we've been kind of praying for each other all week because uh, this is a big deal. And some of you know Patty's story, some of you don't. Um, but this is an example of someone who is suffering, and she didn't do anything wrong. I mean, she did. She's a sinner, right? She'd be the first to admit she did a lot wrong, right? <laughs> but to suffer the way that she suffered the last three years... It's not because of her sin. It's because we live in a broken world. It's because death exists. Because sin exists in the world. Right? It's not because of her own sin. I have prayed often this prayer. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to be for your glory. Like I want to do incredible things for the glory of Jesus. But God, please do not let the loss of Heather or any of my kids be the thing that I have to bring you glory through. <laughs> right? I've prayed that so many times. Patty did not get that luxury in life. But Patty has, in a way that has been beyond impactful for me, suffered well. Right? So I'm going to ask her a few questions. She's going to, we're just going to go for this thing. Right? We're going to go for it, and, and we're going to pray right now before we go, uh, just that you, we would be impacted by the Spirit of God. Father, I thank you for Patty. I thank you that you promised suffering while we live on earth, that we, you promised trouble because we live in the world, and it's a broken world. But God, we know without a shadow of a doubt that you've already won the battle. You've already won the war. The end is sealed that Jesus someday will throw Satan into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and the war is already won. But while we're here, we suffer. And so, God, from, from, from this point on, I pray for every soul in the room that we would resolve to suffer in Christ, to suffer according to God's will. God, that when we suffer beyond our control and beyond our ability to bear, that we would seek you, we would fall at your feet, and we would honor you with the way that we suffer. So God, I pray that you would just um, help us, Patty and I, to serve well right now. And I pray that your spirit would work in ways that I can't see. We need you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is that working? Say hi. Hi. It's working. Hi, it's working. All right. Well... <clears throat> Patty, I want you to tell us first, um, Jack, Jack was her husband, I want you to tell us, tell us when did you and Jack get married, what led to that, like what hooked you, and then what happened to Jack three years ago? Um, Jack was my Sunday school teacher, he taught the singles class at my church, and um, I didn't know that he liked me, I've been boy crazy my whole life, but he kind of had to hit me over the head. Um, and when we were dating, when we finally started dating, I had a list of all the things I wanted in a husband. And I wanted him to be kind and godly and um, generous and good and wear a leather jacket. And because, you know, I'm a girl. And um, I called my spiritual dad at the time and I said, Jack, exceeds my list. He does everything. He even wears a leather jacket. But Jim, he's bald. <laughs> I never thought that this would, that I would be attracted to bald. 
And my spiritual dad said, get down on your knees and ask God to change your priorities right now. And so Jack and I got married. From the time of our first date to our wedding was about seven months. Um, and um, Jack and I had a good marriage. We had a really good marriage. In fact, I, I remember hugging him and saying after his mother died, um, I'm so glad that I get to go through this with you, that you're, you'll be with me, that you're by my side, not knowing that I would find him in the backyard when he mowed our yard. And I knew he was dead when I found him. Um, but I begged, like King David begged for his first child with Bathsheba, I begged, God, please no, you can change your mind now. Please, no, no. And the whole way to the hospital I begged. And when my friend got there, I had her read me Psalm 139 which talks about God knows the number of our days before one of them comes to be. Because I knew that if this was Jack's last day on earth, that there wasn't anything the doctors could do. And the doctor said, we've done everything we can. I'm sorry, he's gone. And I fainted. But I knew that my husband was home. And that he was home. What were the um, first moments like for you and the rest of your family after he died in the first days? What was that like? The very hardest moment of my life was telling my children that their father was gone because they weren't there yet. Um, and going into my house and thinking he'll never be here again and looking at my bed, he'll never be there again. And just knowing, um, but God, but God, he held me. Um, the song, He Loves Us, went through my head for weeks. And it was very, it was both God loves us, he loves us. I can't explain that he loves us, but he loves us. And I knew that Jack loved me and loved our children and that he would never have chosen to leave. What are, um, what are some of the perspectives uh, that have helped you continue on day to day? Because the last three years have been the hardest years of your life. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And so over time... Um, there are a couple things, really. I know that God is real. And I know that God is good. He hasn't asked me to understand this. I don't get it. How can it be good for a six-year-old girl to lose her dad? That's not good to me. But God is still good. And he's only asked me to trust him and to love him. And so I do. I trust him and I love him. And I know... That on that day when I see him face to face, it'll make sense. You, um, I know that you have a group of people that you text often. Your wife being one. Yes. Um, and the reason that that is impactful to me um, is because a lot of people try to go through um, pain like this and suffering like this alone, and they try to bull through it. Um, and I know that um, when you're suffering, you, um, you reach out and you might not get an answer right away and all that. But um, talk a little bit about how the importance of that support group to you in getting through this and hearing truth oh, gosh. on a regular basis. This week, um, I love my in-laws dearly. God gave me like the best family on both sides. And um, so I had my in-laws over for Thanksgiving. And um, because my father-in-law is my only family in town, I'm his only family in town, he's 93. So my other, his daughter and their, her family came into town from Indiana. 
And um, it was hard because having them at my house reminds me that my husband's not there. <laughs> um, and so I would text Heather and Carrie and a couple other women and say, hey, could you pray? This is hard. And just knowing, even if no one answers me, just knowing that when they get this, that they will pray and that they love me and they've seen me through the suffering that I've caused. You know, the times when I've been stupid and gone out on my own and dated guys that I know that God said no to um, or whatever, that, that I'm still loved. And there are a lot of times when that's what sees me through is knowing that there are other people praying. If you go into um, Patty's house in the basement, there's like this, uh, if you've ever see the, seen the movie War Room, that's kind of what I would equate this to. Um, but you walk, in, you walk into the basement and it kind of just keeps going and you walk through this small hallway and it's just, it's weird really. Um, but all of a sudden it opens up to this little like cave, right? And the, the, the wall is lined with books. And um, Heather and I went in there one day. And immediately, I mean, this was, this was Jack's library, right? And uh, forgot, like me, I'm not very academic, but, um, but being a pastor and um, knowing that Jack was as well, this was immediately, you could see, this is the legacy that this man left. Um, and so talk about, uh, for us, knowing the legacy that Jack left, um, how, how does that give you breath to kept, keep going? You, I mean, time and time again, you talk about how awesome Jack was, Jack did this, Jack did that, Jack did this. Um, talk about how his death has caused you to be able to um, use his legacy as a tool, maybe. I lent books. Um, the library he's referring to is an entire theological library. As long as you give them back, she will hunt you down. Yeah, no, I won't. I don't, I don't have a card system. It's totally God-driven. God knows who needs what book when. Um, and my hope is that my sons will, and my daughter, will use these books um, my son would like to go into ministry, and so, you know, this is a legacy. Jeff, Jack left a legacy of service. Um, that was his heart, was he was a servant, almost to a fault. I was a princess. Um, there were so many things I didn't have to do. My kids would throw up, and I did not run to them. I ran away from them yelling, Jack. Um, <laughs> I now, if I break something in my house, I think, oh, I have to clean that up. Jack's not here to clean it up for me. And he really was a servant, um, and he loved God. He left me, he left us letters. We've, we've talked about that. Um, he left us letters whenever he, he never went out of town, so the couple times he did in, his, in our marriage, he left us letters or before he had major surgery. In an envelope that were in a desk, and it it said on the outside to be read when I go home. And so the first thing I did when I came back from the hospital was find that envelope. And we still read the letters; um, they're treasures to us. Jack told us how much he loves us, and that he wishes he had been here to see my kids grow up. Um, they were six. 14 and 16 at the time. Um, and he promises he'll see us again in that day. I remember when uh, Patty first told my wife Heather about those letters. Um, I was about to go on, I don't remember where I was going. I was going, home, I was going back to Connecticut for my cousin's funeral. And Heather had me sit down at my computer and write letters <laughs> to my family because of what Jack had done for them and um, do that 
telling you, if dad, mom, whatever, do that. It'd be the hardest, like, 20 minutes, however long it takes you to write those letters. It'd be really hard. I mean, I was crying like a fool in my office writing those letters, but it's a good thing to do, and we see how that impacts somebody. Um, right now, on the spot, we didn't really talk about this, but um, I want to know what, um, what God has shaped in you, what new things you now know about God that you would not have known before. I know without a doubt that God is good, and I know without a doubt that he is real, and that heaven is real. Um, I've become a better mom. I know that, um, I have a little note here, it, it's an honor to suffer knowing Christ because God draws me so near. He reveals the important things and removes the temporal and reveals the glory of the eternal. Um, I've never been a real stressed out parent. I've never insisted on my kids having clean rooms. And um, my kids are whispering to each other. I'm thinking they're agreeing. Um, it's just that I know that their character is so much import more important, especially now. Um, do, they, do they know that I love them? Do they know that God loves them? Everything else is just cake. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring up something else that might not answer this question, but I know we talked about it. There was a point in time, I don't remember when it was, it was the first year, when I was in my bedroom and I got on my knees. <laughs> I was on my knees a lot. Still on my knees a lot. Um, because sometimes I'm surprised that I can breathe, still. Um, and from what I understand from other widows, there are times when it will always be that way, and that's okay. Um, but there was a point, and I had a picture of Jesus on my wall, and I said, only for you, God. Only for you. Only for you will I let go of Jack. Only for you will I accept that my marriage is over. He isn't my husband anymore. Only for you will I keep breathing. And only for you will I worship. I understand so much more now the words sacrifice of praise. <laughs> Choosing to praise when half of you has been taken, God smiles. And choosing to say thank you. And sometimes I start out with thank you that the sky is blue. And days like today, I have to start out with thank you that I know the sky is blue above the clouds. <laughs> and there are days. And that's okay, because he loves us. You, uh, you told me over coffee that if you had a thousand wishes, one of them would not be to have Jack back. And uh, the reason why kind of blew me away. Um, and so talk about why okay. you would choose to not have Jack back okay. and how thoughts of the future for you yeah. make that real. Um, I'm going to set that up just a little bit because my daughter and I, I was having a really hard time. It was one of those I can't believe I'm breathing kind of days. And we were out at the mall, which is really shocking because usually I hide. But I was out at the mall with her and she found a perfume named A Thousand Wishes. And she said, here you go, Mom. And I looked at her and I said, Annalise, if I had a thousand wishes, I would not wish your dad back because he's home and he doesn't hurt and he doesn't feel sad. As much as I want him back, I wouldn't do that to him. 
and we talked about. This is, you and I talked about, this is a fallen, broken world. And there is so much pain. And, and what I've suffered is so little compared to so many others. And yet, Jesus chose to come here. He was in heaven and he chose to enter this world. I love that. You see how not selfish. How much she loves her husband more than she loves herself. Wants her husband to continue to enjoy heaven rather than coming back here. But I am jealous. I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we beat you there, right? And um, and that's what I love. And after the service is over today, everybody's going to be tempted to give Patty a lot of love. All right. Best thing you can do is be with. All right. Because some of us open our mouths and say stupid stuff that will not be helpful to her. Everybody. Um, that we talked about this, but everybody, um, we all, we want to say something that is, that will help. And we want to see the pain go away. We want to see the pain lessened, right? But the pain is real for her and your pain is real for you. And her pain does not minimize your pain and your pain is not going to minimize her pain. Um, cause you're here as you are, right? And so in these moments, we're going to, um, take communion, but I, I just want you to say anything else that's on your mind for just a couple more seconds. A couple more seconds. Um, I'm not special because I've suffered. We all suffer. I'm special because I'm God's. Same as you. And I have hurt. I am hurt. But I can testify that God is so good, and he loves us. I love that. We're going to thank you for sharing with us. We're going to take communion now and um, want to reflect on what she said about the fact that she wouldn't want her husband back because he's in heaven and because this is a fallen, broken world. But Jesus came out of that on purpose so that he could die for us so that he could live, so that he could identify with us, so that we could have a savior who identifies with everything that we feel and hurt, right? And so as we remember Jesus right now, and as we sing together, there's gonna be two tables up front, one in the back, and um, this is the freedom that we have in Jesus, the ability to suffer and still be okay. Right? And by okay, I don't mean not crying. Life is, still good. Life is still good. Because God is good. But this is only possible. To say the things that she said this morning is only possible in Jesus. And so this morning, as we take communion, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never come to Jesus for salvation and admitted your sin to him and said, I need you to save me because you died on the cross for me, do that in these moments because this is the freedom that Jesus offers. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And someday she's going to see her husband again. That's a beautiful thing. So let's pray. Jesus, we trust you. We trust you that you are good. We trust you, God, that you are good. You are a good father. And that in our brokenness, we are ruined, we are ruined, we are ruined, we are a pile of ruins, Lord, that you have picked up and made brand new. And so that's what we worship you for. We take the bread and the cup to remember your broken body and your shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And you shed your blood, your perfect blood for us so that someday we can have the hope, we can have the hope now of glory in heaven with Jesus.
and Patty has been able to live through suffering that I can't imagine and that I pray against every day because of the blood of Jesus, because you're a good father. So we worship you now for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. that the Holy Spirit is here. We believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful to infiltrate the darkest parts of your heart. And so this was a, this was a heavy thing to hear this morning. My challenge is, apart from Christ, you can't suffer well. Apart from Jesus, it is impossible. Do not go through you're suffering on your own. So my first challenge is if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, make now that moment. If you've never come to Jesus and said, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't save myself. I need you to save me. Make now that moment. And if you still are confused about what I mean by that, I'm going to be in the back and, and, and during this next song, I want you to come to the back and I'm going to explain that to you. And the rest of our elders, if you're an elder in this room during this next song, I just want you to make your way to the back as well. For anybody who has suffering in their life right now that you've been doing it by yourself for way too long. You got to stop doing it by yourself. First of all, you need Jesus and you need the other people in this room. And so with our elders and anyone else who's willing to pray for people, just go to the back. Swallow your pride and make today the day of salvation and make today the day that you stop suffering on your own. And the song that we're about to sing says that someday... It's all going to be redeemed. Someday we're going to be in heaven where suffering is not going to exist. All tears, all sorrow, it's gone. And it's a glorious day. And while we suffer here now, Jesus holds us. But some of us are choosing to suffer without letting Jesus hold us. So make now that moment and come to the back. Nobody's watching you. This is you and God. Father, we pray just in your spirit that you would be unleashed in people's hearts for change right now.